Hey, folks, we want to let you know that we're going to start reading um, emails from you, our listeners. And so if you want to email us and you want to tell us about what is uh, exciting you about this podcast, things you're learning, um, stories of your own life, that you're having conversations with people about masks, you can email us at TOTMPOD100. That's TOTMPOD100 at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing your emails and we look forward to reading them here uh, on the show. Thank you so much, folks. I treasure the humanity of others and myself. Not that I want to, if, if someone says, here, the terror will go away. I don't, I might not do it today. Something I might, I might. There are moments I would do it, you know? Yeah. But it's also like, I don't know. I feel alive in some way and connected to the world. I'm not trying to glorify suffering, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, if people can find ways of suffering less, I, I think that's a really great thing. But I also find some beauty in, in your mask idea. If we all sat around and talked about how terrified we were, I would rather be in that group than a bunch of groups who think they've healed it all. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would feel like yeah. I belong in that group and I would feel an intimacy and some yeah. love and I would get to learn myself and, and my heart would be moved by people. And if we all said, we're all healed from our terror, I would feel a little bit bored in that group. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, is, I don't know, does that make sense? Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today, I'm on location in Jackson, Mississippi. As you can see, I'm down here by one of these buildings that's, you know, not really here anymore, but it's a lot of history here. Um, I'm looking at some steel columns, as you know. If you know my story, um, engineering was my first career. And as I look at this building and look at this ornamental steel, it's pretty beautiful. but I'm also in front of a building that's kind of torn down and beat up and kind of neglected. Uh, I want to introduce today's guest. Today's guest is David Bedrick. David is the founder of the Santa Fe Institute for Shame-Based Studies. Yes, I did say shame-based studies. <laughs> I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I've had a hard time even trying to record this intro, not because he hasn't done some amazing things in his life and that I don't have uh, amazing things to say about the conversation because it was really powerful. But I don't know what your relationship with shame is. I don't know how things that have happened in your life that either you've done or that were done to you, how they bring up feelings of, 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 of insignificance, of, of pain. Uh, one of the statements that David in his work says that whatever struggles you are confronting somewhere along the healing path, you will meet shame. Like if you're struggling with it, you are aware of it. But what gets in the way of us feeling it and dealing with it is what we're going to hear in this conversation. I'm really excited about this conversation. You know, I learned about David from his work um, through a friend who went through his shame clinic. And after I started learning about what he describes about shame, I realized, oh, man, I, I need some of that in my life. I need some some deep work around things in my childhood that happened and that I want to work through. And so. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I hope you 
Um, listen to the words that David talks about as he describes his own mask as a person growing up and a young person when he was young and the things that he experienced. And, and so in this conversation, I really hope that you are inspired. Um, I hope that you um, check out his work. He has a lot of videos for free that you can check out. And he has some incredible courses that um, you can also learn from. So um, today's episode, you know, um, we are here in Jackson, Mississippi um, for a launch of the Million Mask Movement. It's a seed planting of five schools of um, talking about masks with young people, high schools and middle schools. So I'm super excited, I'm glad to be here, and I hope that um, in the work that you see us doing, that you get involved. I hope that you will share this podcast with somebody you know. I hope that if you have your own relationship with shame that needs some adjusting, that you will let this episode be the kickoff to that work. Um, I think it's work. I think it's work to look into where we've been and where we're going through and all the places that cause us not to be able to fulfill or feel like our full self. It's kind of like this uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff that happens with the mask. Sometimes we have to just keep pushing through it and we don't want to unearth all those things. But I think it's so important. I think it's so important. So take a listen to today's episode, Taking Off the Mask podcast with David Bedrick. We, enjoy, um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please, um, if you are not subscribed, please subscribe. If you have any questions, if you want to nominate somebody that you think we should talk to, please reach out to us. We look forward to uh, you continuing to be a part of this movement with us. If you haven't made a mask, you can do that at millionmask.org. And um, stay tuned because in the end of May, we have our big event coming up, the 24-hour 5K Challenge. You can participate anywhere in the world. It's virtual. And we look forward to you getting involved with the work that we're doing to make it okay, to be not okay, to have more normalized conversations like this with people from all backgrounds that we recognize that we're not alone. And there's more to you than anybody can tell by looking at you. There is more to you than anybody can tell by looking at you. Take care, folks. David Bedrick, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. It's so great to have you. Thanks, brother. Good to be here with you. <laughs> Man, I'm super excited about this conversation. You know, you know, the work. I, I learned about your work um, through a friend who had went to one of your clinics, and um, she was so inspired, and she inspired me to like dig in and learn some more information. And I've been following you uh, on social media and listening mm -hmm. to some of your work. And so thank you for the work you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. Would you be willing to just introduce yourself to the audience so they know who you are, what you want them to know about you as we mm -hmm. jump into these masks? Gosh, there's so many things I could say. I, I, I won't tell a 20 minute story, but that's, that would be with my inclination. But in terms of the kinds of things people want to know, um, um, I'm a psychotherapist, um, once an attorney, uh, taught at a university for eight years. My deep interest is in psychology, depth, what I call depth psychology. That means not trying to fix people, but looking into the soul root of what looks like a person, what looks like a big mess of a human being like we are. Um, and my central focus is on shame, by which I mean a lens through which people look at themselves or others that says something's wrong with you. <laughs> not, it's not a diversity lens because then it's like, oh, you're this way, I'm this way. I'm depressed, you're this. 
all of those would be included in my okay lens, so to speak. Not that people don't suffer, but the shame lens says that's a problem. We need to diagnose it and fix it. And I'm trying to help a world that does less of that and is willing to see the beauty, intelligence, and things like that in, in what looks difficult for people's eyes to see. Oh, we, mm -hmm. we, and, and I think that's what, you know, when I, when you, when you were mm -hmm. talking with Simone on that podcast about shame around yeah. this work, those words and the definitions that you described were ones that were resonating were like all those old recordings, all those old messages that, that either I was told or I told myself or that I yeah. created to make myself safe in that old life has carried along. And if you're not careful, you can keep playing out those old beliefs, right? Those old feelings and you don't need yes. them anymore, but yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it's there, they come from personal and family and generational and they come from culture because if culture is going to look at, I know, I know I'm getting to the races too quickly. If culture looking and say, that's a scary person, right? Yeah. My mother might've said, that's a scary person. Yeah. That's how my mother that's what she saw, right? Yeah, so yeah. sorry about that. And I, that's injuring, but we're not in that. It's not injuring in the moment, but it's the idea is injury. I'm not blind about that. But yeah. then if, if you're porous or vulnerable, then you take that in. And then you start thinking, I guess, what's wrong with me? How come I'm like this? When it's not, a, when it has to do with those eyes, is it okay to say, I feel like I'm jumping yeah, in? Yeah, no. Jump, it has to do with her no. eyes that are also yeah. trained and not only hers. She didn't, That's right. Not that she's not responsible. She didn't create those eyes. She was given That's those right. eyes. But then it looks at somebody. And then that person, if they're porous, that means they take that in. They start thinking, what's wrong with me that people are treating me this way? As opposed to mm. what's wrong with this world that has eyes that are ignorant or hateful or things like that. Yeah. Oh, we. Well, I think that that's really powerful, right? Because what we see on the outside is what oftentimes we think is all of it, all the story. Yeah. Like we have, we have, a, we, or at least what I've experienced in this work around these masks is that, well, I see this, this is what this person is like. This is what they're about. Even though I know no, there's so much more to each of us than anybody can tell by looking at us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really powerful. And I think that those messages get passed down, right? Like you just talked about, like how, how quickly and how subtly do those messages get passed down and adopted, absorbed, ag agreed upon, mm -hmm. conformed to, right? And I think that that's part of the journey of coming back to ourselves. Like, what, what do I really believe? Right? That's what they told yeah. me I was supposed to believe. That's what they told me it was supposed to be. But I don't really, well, what do I really think? And I think coming to that place of self is also helpful too. That's so, that's a profound practice you're suggesting how do you come back to yourself and have that practice of coming back not be woven into so influenced by all the things you've been taught condition that i've been taught and conditioned about myself that's like yeah. a lifetime or maybe generations of work to clear that i think for me it is you know. oh yes well i i agree i and and i think even like the the, the the traditions that thing that happen the traditions why we do things the way we do things why why people cook the way they cook why they use certain things to do certain things like you wonder that i think growing up i was always confused that certain rules my mom had about stuff that seemed so ridiculous I'm like what what are you talking about like why are you? but but to not understand the roots of why those things were happening you, you would miss the historical context of the thing that was happening right yeah. And maybe we don't have to do that anymore. Maybe we don't need to yeah. 
you know, maybe maybe we can. I don't know. I don't know all the rules around anything, but I, my brain was just thinking about that. Like, um, I learned to cook from my grandmother. I learned to cook from my grandmother. Wow. Well, I learned some things to cook from her. I remember her teaching me how to make a, uh, a uh, what was she making me? A, a rum cake. I think it was a rum cake I was making. She was helping me make. I was in college. I wanted to make something for some friends. And I called my grandmother. She's in Arkansas. And she was like, all right, you got to take some milk and you got to add some lime to it. I'm like, what do you say? She said, take some take some milk and add some lime juice to it. I'm like, why am I putting lime juice in milk? And I started doing it. And I started stirring this up and it started turning into like curds. Like it was like, I said, my mother, this thing is getting thick. What was going on? She's like, well, yeah, you know, in the old days we didn't have buttermilk. So that's how we made buttermilk. We just took lime juice. And add, I was like, why didn't you just tell me to buy buttermilk? <laughs> I just tell me, you know, like <laughs> I just bought that, you know? And she was like, yeah, you just do it this way, you know. Yeah. But it was—it's a practice. It's a practices that that sometimes are are just the way we did them, the way we do them, and and the same thing with how we how we see each other. I, think I really appreciate you mentioning that part. So, it's a huge um, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, just, saying, I have lots of things that come up and just but keep no, on. No. Take take us wherever you want, and I'm gonna. Follow oh no, or, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. It's yeah. a conversation. I think we'll make our we'll go over our mask. But was there something you were gonna say right there? I, 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 I just, well, I was thinking about we'll go over the mask, and you said right three things that you normally are happy to be seen as, I can't remember the words and things that yeah. you wouldn't. And I wrote three things down. And then afterwards, I noticed something on my table that I almost never wear. I, I wore it for a while because I was in, I was in Jerusalem uh, for a couple of weeks, just a few months ago. And I saw it on my table and I thought I didn't mention this. And I don't wear, I, I'm not like a, whatever, whatever religious Jew means. I don't go to temple and stuff like that. Yeah. But it meant something to me. And I realized I, people know, would know me that I have a Jewish background, Jewish culture that I identify as Jewish, yeah. but I don't speak about it as much. And I have the privilege of most people not knowing, right? Mm. I walk around and people don't say it unless I announce it. So I can kind of, I can pass as a white person, right? Yeah. So to speak, whatever that means, that's a com that's a conversation what that means. But the cult yeah. meaning the culture will yeah. treat me a certain way with certain privileges. That's what I mean by that. But then I saw this thing mm. and I was like laying on my desk because I got it in Jerusalem and I've loved seeing it. And I was like, this is an interesting thing I didn't write down. And yeah. I'm thinking about it because of the conversation we're beginning to have about the way we're seen mm. and the things that I learned, like you talk about your grandmother and things that can hand it down. Well, through my Jewish history, that's not my only history, but through my Jewish history, I learned that I don't have to, and it's often not good to let people know I'm Jewish. No one told me that, but, right, my last name was is Bedrick. It was Bedrick Gaversky. It got changed like many Jews did when they came to the States because now people will not know so quickly. Yeah. So things get erased that I'm not even aware of, but yet then I start walking through the world not okay with qualities of mind that I don't even, I'm not even aware of what I'm not okay with. I'm just, right? And it takes me then years to realize, oh, that's part of my Jewish way of adapting and assimilating that cuts things off about me. I didn't even know that was happening because it was so inside my blood. Anyway, it made me think of that. Ooh, I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that. I think, I think about it a lot too. I think of like when I'm in my 
social media scrolls or am I in like I'm like, oh, I, I see some pastors who I follow who say some powerful things. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this. And then sometimes I'm in doubt, like, should I share this? And then I'm like, why am I why am I afraid to share this? I'm not afraid to share it. Maybe I am. Maybe it's fear, more fear of like. I don't want people to think I'm trying to judge them or like all the, all the words that I make up a word salad of like, why wouldn't you share it? Like, this is a good, this is a good sentence. This is a good phrase. This is a good quote. This is a good passage. Why wouldn't you share it? And I think that same, that fear comes up too, like of like, of, of sometimes a society where it says, don't be judging me. You you know, you don't know better than me. You don't know me. Like all the things that you have to combat against if you feel that you need to combat against them. But I think, I've been I've been going to church my whole life. I've been, you know, I, and I think that I I'm not ashamed. I just is something I just don't. I, I actually, when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, interesting. I, I wrote it, I wrote it today because it's, it's the first time I've written it. But um, I'm looking. Let's let's do the mask. Let's do it. I think we're already in it. We're already in the mask. We're already in. We're talking about the mask and and <laughs> and the function. I'm not saying that we should have them, but yeah. it's function because I'm like, if then if I can make believe. I'm not Jewish to the outer world. That's kind of a mess yeah. that I don't have to work too hard at, although I, yeah. I do. Then something says, oh, you'll be safe for that. Like, yeah. it's not that they have to tell me that. It's just that I walk around as if I know, as if that's already an assumption. And then it's like, now what am I going to do to take that off? What are the risks I'm going to take and things like that? Yeah. That's but, I think, but I think also a society almost proves it, almost proves it in many ways. Like it's almost like lots of proof. I guess if anything you want to believe, you can find proof to believe it. But there's a lot of proof out there that says, Hmm. Maybe talking about this or expressing this too loudly or too like is a little in certain contexts in certain societies, certain communities, certain places is more dangerous than others. But it may be not right. There's a lot of rhetoric out there around. Oh, this is this is what those people are. This is what. And I think it's, it often happens even if you can't tell by even if you look and you can't tell. Like once you oh, you're like oh oh that per oh okay then that person we made we made a judgment by what they say right. Like if I tell you I was a teacher, you make a certain judgment. Somebody would, and if I tell you I'm an engineer, it's a different. You may have a different judgment about okay, what a person is and who they are, right? Just right. based on your career choices or what your or backgrounds that you couldn't tell by just even looking, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Deep man. Well, we just really... jumped into the deep end. I don't know. Things like that happen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. That's you know I really appreciate this opportunity for the conversations because it's a way for you and I to get to know each other. Yeah, more and and as a way, what what if we could normalize this? What if it was possible that more people, you and me, more people who are out there would meet each other, out and not be in a place of judgment, but be in a place of listening and learning and yeah. connecting. I, I think we, I think we miss that. I think I think our world is empty of that so much, of like this place of like. Mm-hmm. How about I just? How about you tell me who you are? So I mean, trying to guess who you are, and yeah. how much of yourself do you want me to know? And and I and I and I and I, and I believe you, and I believe that your true how you see the world through your lens is is real for you, yeah. and hope that as I tell you how the, I see the world through my lens, you believe it's real for me, and and we can be like, okay, we see the world differently from different lenses because we've had different experiences and upbringings, and and. Yes. And then we can also then say, thank you for, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing for me a little bit about how you see the world, you know? Yeah. 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 All right, man. Well, I'm excited. I mean, now the, with, with the guest, the guest gets to decide who goes first. Either you want me to go first or you want to go first. And, uh, and whichever you choose is, is, is excellent. Um, 
I'll go first. Okay. So we'll, so you'll just share you share the front and then and then I'll share the front of mine. Okay. okay. I'm gonna fold it in half then so you yeah. can't see the okay, got it. I remember yeah, this. Yeah. I remember we'll do a reveal. It. We'll do a reveal. We'll do a reveal. I'm doing I'm a big reveal. Let me fold my <laughs> my mask. Okay. You can't you can't see the the whole oh, picture nice. of the face. Let me nice. see the back. There's a picture of a face. That's great. That's great. And it says teacher, that's an identity that I'm come out with pretty regularly and people would know that about me um, in the outer world, but also the way I am. I, I, I always start trying to teach somebody something, you know, because that's like, I was doing that when I was five. I just didn't have anything to teach yet, but I was still trying to teach people, you know, so that, but that I'm comfortable with that identity writer in the last 20 years, that's gotten more and more comfortable. And that's out. I've written, I'm um, working on a fourth book and things like that. And I like to spend time writing. So that's an easy identity and people prize that and stuff. And then the other thing that I'm pretty fluid with comfortable is a certain feeling quality or vulnerability. Like I'm, most people would say mm. I'm okay saying I'm awkward or I'm nervous or I'm insecure or I'm a mess or things like that, that people would consider those vulnerable things. Yeah. Um, I'm mostly okay with that. Yeah. And, and people will see that about me and I'll say, Oh, even if I'm teaching, I'll be like, I'm a mess today. I whatever. And so stuff like that. Those are pretty available. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Um, okay. Well, here's my, uh, let's see. Here's, here's my, here's my, here's my, here's my drawing. Oh man. That's and, a good drawing. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm working on a, a different, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what came today in this, uh, journey of being more creative and um this is what i wrote um i wrote serious or resting frown face and i wrote oh. funny and um the resting frown face came recently um, because i was talking to someone and they were mentioning like like i know that uh, if i'm at some social event my goal is to network and connect with people so um i want to not make people feel armed so I have to, in order to disarm them, I always put on a smile. Like I just, I just make myself smile and I can find myself like after an hour or two at some kind of social event, my cheeks and my jaws are hurting, right? Because I'm having to, a smile is not my normal look. Like if I just, if I just not make a look, I'll just be like, um, right. you, you may, you may think I'm frowning. And so people will be like, are you okay? Everything okay? What's everything? everything? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. What What's going right. on? I look like you're you're mad about something. And I remember students used to say that to me all the time. They walk out of class. I'm getting ready for class. I'm not performing in. I'm not performing in front of nobody. But they'd be like, "You you mad, Mr. Branch? Is it gonna be a bad day today?" I'm like, well, "What are you talking about? I'm mad? I, I haven't <laughs> even said anything yet." They're like, "Well, you frowning?" I'm like, "Frowning." And I started realizing that my resting face is a frown. It's like almost looks angry, and it's not. It's mm. I inherited them from my 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 father. But mm, um, but I, I love laughing. I love being funny. I love. I love bringing joy to situations mm -hmm. and people, but, but mm -hmm. to, to, but if I wasn't careful, um, I could easily create a whole different um, image by just not being conscious of like what's on my face. And it's, it's a story, right. That somebody has to make up. Right. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what people yeah. would see if they, if they, uh, if they didn't know me, you know, if they were just yeah. looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. Smiling smiling for the camera looking happy mm -hmm. um it's like a 
there's a, it's a certain viewpoint again in the world. You should look happy. You know, yeah. it's like, well, yeah. you know, in this world, there are certainly moments of it, but there's moments of hell. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think yeah. and maybe some people don't have that view. I have that view internally outside in my own inner life is sometimes violent as shit. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And it's not so pleasant. Yeah. And I think I've, I've heard, you know, growing up, I, as I think about that, I, I was, I was watching this video and it was about New York. It was about like um, a woman that made a video. I think she either, she either had somebody record her or she was recording it herself. I forgot how it happened, but of like how many people as she was walking down the street would just cat call at her. Right. And I think so many people were like, why aren't you smiling? Why aren't you smiling? Like the, the context of like, if you're not smiling, then you're Isn't not radical. Yeah. There was just like the approaching idea of like, yeah. well, you should smile. Because mm-hmm. that is what makes me happy <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like, mm-hmm. like, like, as opposed to like, well, what if there's nothing really right now to smile about? Right. I think the, the, the vision of that too, you know, painful. And then what I, I would call sexism, some people would call that something else, but I would, and the sexism, sexism that enters in that some people feel free to tell a stranger. <laughs> right. Cause, yeah. Because no one, because no men and women don't walk around to me saying, "How come you're not smiling?" But it's more likely to happen to a woman as if I am. I should comment on a stranger and tell them how they should be. Like, yeah. like, where do you get off on? Even if I knew the person, where do I get off on? Like saying, "This is how you should be," so I'm more at ease with you. you Absolutely. Absolutely. Or that you please me, or whatever the thing is. You're like, wow. Yeah. That's I remember once I I I've been married for like 18 years. Well, not like I just got um, an anniversary, but bef- many years ago, I was dating a woman, and we used to go to a a, um, uh, a pool that we'd swim in, like a community pool. And I remember one day she was swimming, and some guy stopped her and said, "Let me let me t- tell you how to improve your stroke." And I was like, "Wow!" Like, and he didn't feel like he was being aggressive; he felt like he was being helpful, mm. you know. But he didn't even notice that there was a line that of respect. It didn't. He didn't think about. It. He just thought that's. Of course, I would want to tell her that. Why wouldn't she want to know? And I'm like, don't you see that there's a line that you don't just go tell the stranger. You don't correct strangers that aren't like hurting yeah. you. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Like the, the, he's like, why? What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh. Anyway, they're, they're, they're like the resident trainer in the in the in the space, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, 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 yeah. <laughs> like the bouncer at the club was like, hey, you know, like. I get to I get to make a decision about who you are based on my own perception, and I get to let people in or not let them in based on what I think and how cool they are. Do you do you fit the profile of who we have in this? Got all your shoes? I'm sorry, you can't come here with those shoes. And it's all those, with those things, shoes, right? <laughs> all those all those out external things that we tell people as a you know in, in so many ways, right? I mean, I think about the pool. That, that thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Did you did you like did you say something or did? Did you say yeah, something to him? Okay. I did. Okay. I didn't know about it because I didn't notice it, but she told me. Okay. You know? And I was like, what's up with that, man? And, you know, and he just had no idea what I was talking about. And I sort of decided to, that was enough, whatever. I didn't want to spend much more time with the, with the character. Yeah, yeah. He didn't seem like a bad dude. Yeah, he just yeah. had no, there was just no sense that that was a line that would be worth noticing. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it wasn't like I'm an asshole. It was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and imagine that. Imagine that in our own world. Like, I mean, I as a mentor, my my role working with young men I work with is like, if I'm seeing 
behavior. And I've been, I've been really careful about not giving advice, like unless they have asked for it specifically um, and really, uh, even then I'm really careful to like say, well, here's how I see it. Cause I don't want to give you a context or something that I think you should do, but here's, here's how I see it. Or here's how I would approach it as opposed to here's what you should do. Cause I don't want, I want them to be able to start being independent thinkers, right. As a, I want them to know that when they're stuck in a situation and there's no mentor around that they still can make the best possible decision based on their own values and judgment around things, you know? So I think that's part of the work we do too, is like give people a space to be like, Oh, Hey, you know what? Um, You said you say you're not sleeping well. Like, can you tell me what you're trying? What are you doing? Like, what are you, what's happening at night that, you know, before you go to sleep, what are you, you know, and then ask some questions and then help them to peel out. And sometimes I need to may say, may seem to say something like, well, maybe you, you should turn things off earlier before, you know, if you're going to yeah. be restless for two hours, maybe you start starting to try the rest a little earlier. Yeah. But, you know, so I think just like how many times in the mentoring work that I do is like, and as a teacher, you know, like if you, uh, um, imagine if you, if you're helping somebody, you see them on the wrong road. When, yeah. when do you, where is that line? Like, where's the line of offering the the feedback or the constructive support that helps somebody. That's a really, that's a really big, that's a really big thing mm-hmm. because there's a viewpoint that I shouldn't, in my world, I grew up with a viewpoint that I shouldn't say anything about my neighbors, even if I'm hearing them screaming, right? Mm. Yeah. So then some then for me at least I had to overcome that because I think I don't if I'm hearing people screaming next door, I want I'm gonna notice that and I'm gonna act like I notice it, you know? Um so yeah. But tell me about say I'm just interested about your mentoring because what what it, I don't know anything about what you're doing and maybe people already know that it wouldn't be useful for everyone else to hear but yeah that, well you know I started me when you started talking about that I was touched yeah well no I appreciate that I, I think the you know I started as an engineering professional and then I became a teacher and I think as a teacher I realized that there were young men in my class who weren't really learning from me as a teacher there I was missing something like there was a gap between my teaching and them being willing to receptive to learning so I started this program called Ever Forward. It became a mentoring program. Oh wow! I think, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't know in the beginning that I was starting a nonprofit. I was a teacher who was like doing a horrible job. I mean, there were smart kids in my class failing, and they weren't. They could do the work. They most of them weren't even really trying. And you're like, dude, you could pass this class easily if you just gave it some effort. You're so smart. But in their minds, first of all, smart's not cool. So don't don't be talking to me like that. That's what the Ouch. Yeah. And then second is that their their peer group being a, a good student wasn't what was respected. And, 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 and some who were good students, but had, didn't have the social skills were figuring some other things out. And so the journey of them was how do we help them? And so in my early days of mentoring, I didn't have the concept of don't give advice. Like I, I thought that's what you do as a mentor. And as I grew right. through my own mentoring, I learned, Oh, how do I support these young men in their development and growth and, and not feel, cause what could easily happen is if I give you advice and then you don't do it, I could easily be blaming myself or upset that you didn't, you know, yeah. but if I'm not offering you advice, if I'm just saying, hey, here's my thoughts on this situation, mm-hmm. you got to make your own decisions. And so your decisions are yours and your when you make a, a poor decision, it's yours. And when you make a good decision, it's yours. And I don't take credit or blame for any of your decisions, um, mm-hmm. even though I want you to make the best decisions. I want you to have the best life ahead, you know? So- yeah, that, that's, it's been a journey. That's, we started the organization in 2004. So this that's work, it. The Mask, came out of that work. 
That's deep. What, what you're, you're saying the, the answer in part, but what, what helps that younger person who, where culture is created in a subculture where being smart doesn't look good. And now, but I, but I am, but I do have intelligence and it'd be good to show up. But what helps I'm just, I'm just wanting to learn because I, I understand yeah. the predicament you're talking about yeah. um, just from, from reading and talking to people, but I don't live, I didn't grow up in that. I didn't grow up. I grew up in a culture where it was like, show how smart you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't, I didn't have that particular issue. What helps those, that those youth? Yeah. I think for us, it was really helping them see that school could be fun. So when we started the program, I wanted them to see that, like school can be fun one. And if it's not, then what do we need to do to help you get more engaged in it? And even if you hate school, let's just make sure we get it done so that the next stage of your life is not so much harder because you've, you've tried to skip this portion. And so I think it was really around like, and, and what if, what if you've never had anybody have high expectations for you? Like my mom never told me I had to go to college. I was planning to go to college. I think I was, I was, I was upset that she never told me I had to go to college. And she was like, uh, I think I was watching the Brady bunch, right? Obviously (laughs) the the most comparative family to mine, like, Oh, (laughs) let me just, and then, you know, the father was telling Greg, you have to go to college. He's like, I'm gonna be in a band. (laughs) And like, no, you're not. You're going to go to college. And I remember after that show was over, I went to my mom's room and I'm like, Hey, I had a question. Um, Why have you never told me I have to go to college? And she was like, are are you going to go? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, I guess I'd have to tell you. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's this what kind of reverse psychology Tai Chi you just pulled on me right here? <laughs> I realized that I don't know where it came from. It was like a, it was in me somewhere that I was going to go. Yeah. And maybe I, in my mind, thought I wanted her to be like, you should have to go. Maybe it would have been a totally, you know, a reversal of the of, of the intrinsic desire to go. Yeah. But what if you never had anybody who provided an environment where getting more, meaning more like more education, more goals, more dreams that it wasn't a thing. So you just accepted whatever was coming. So I meet a lot of students who are like, I'm just trying to get, I'm just waiting to get a job. I'm like, okay, so what then, you know, what's, what's next, right? Like to not have a vision for your future that's outside of just, I'm going to go get a job. It seems limiting. It's like, I don't think anything's wrong with getting a job, but. No, I'm hearing you. And And it's cultural and racial and gender wise. There's all kinds of things that are more likely to get laid. And you, on, you know, that most people know that on certain groups of people are going to have more certain expectations that could be hard. I can have expectations of education that could be pressure for me, Yeah, but I, but I'm going to, but I'm going to be, but that's so I mean pressure. So I'm going to have to leave. Like I want to be a poet. I don't really want to go to school. So it's gonna be harder for me to be freer in that way, but I'm lifted by the expectation, making it easier for me to enter that kind of, that kind of path because it's, because I've been thought thinking that's going to happen my whole life kind of a thing. So it's, I'm not having to push against a boundary or challenge someone to do that. Yeah. Um, my wife, you know, it was like, why would you, you know, why would you want to go on to uh, get a further education kind of a thing? You know, you know, it's like, how much money is that going to cost? It's, it's not unimportant how much it costs, but it's not said to, it's not said in the sense of how much that costs, how we can afford it. It's said yeah. like, well, let me tell you the three reasons why it's not a great idea. You yeah. know, so she had yeah. a lot of discouragement. Um, 
it took many years. It took until her forties before she was like, I think I want to go on and go get a doctorate. And I'm like, mm. go do that. How are we going to afford that? I, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. We're going to take yeah. out loans. Right, whatever we do, you know, it's like, it's a life. You know, it that's is. What you're, you're wanting. So that's a, and then the freedom to be able to say, I want something that somebody else may not understand in the beginning, but that either they're going to still support me through it or yeah. that they're going to listen to my context around it. As opposed to, like you talk about being an artist or being a musician. Yeah. I, I, I meet lots of students who are who right now in this world that we live in, they're like, I want to be a YouTuber. And then you're like, okay, all right. And how do you, how do you not squash that dream? while helping them still see reality but it's a different world what you know what the you know and when i was a teenager there was no youtuber so what is like the equivalent of just like the thing that people were doing of the time right and how do you how do you help nurture those things while helping them like my godson in high school i was raising my godson he wanted to be a rapper and i was like okay you can be a rapper but you still got to have your a through g requirements so <laughs> you don't have, you don't have to go to college you don't have to, but you, but but before you leave high school, you're going to take all the classes like as if you were going, because right now your 14 year old self is subliminally going to sabotage your 18 year old self. Because when you become 18, a senior in high school, you have no other options because you didn't take all the right classes. I want, so I said to him, look, you don't have to go to college. And he was even mad. I made him take the A through G. So that, you know, anything was going to be a fight, but I think the idea was that you're going to be ready just in case. And yeah. so therefore, when you decide to go off and be a rapper, you don't have to be a rapper who gets taken advantage of because you at least got some consciousness about your contract and you know how to read and you know how to look up information. And I think it's so all the things I was really trying to support him with. I didn't I wasn't mm -hmm. against him being a rapper, but I was against him thinking he was going to be a rapper who was just going to barely skate through high school and because mm -hmm. he wanted to be in the studio all night. And I think those things are that dance between like having an argument with him about Listen, we're not discussing this, brother. It's finals week. You you're not gonna go to a concert on Tuesday night. I'm sorry. Like I don't I I appreciate the the fact that this concert is only once in a lifetime, but it's not gonna happen because you haven't proven to me that you are prepared for these. And so I think how do we have like how do I tell him no consciously, but also yeah. not because I'm trying to squash his desire. No, I hear it. I hear you. Because I, I wanted him to see. Yeah. The, the costs and the, and the benefits too. So you're was, a um, gorgeous man. And, and in your, I can hear the level of thought and care and relationalness, meaning it's not just an idea. It's a relationship that you're talking about having with people as opposed to like, here's my theory. I, I lay it on people. I can hear your inner dialogue. You're questioning, you're wondering, you're wanting to have certain impacts. You're, you know, you're balancing all those things. And the world's better. I can feel the world's better to have you and the people you're mentoring. Thank you. Well, I, I think, you know, the, yeah. I, first of all, I appreciate you. Thank you for saying yeah. that. I, 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 I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, this movement, what we're doing with these masks, our goal is around that is around with those young people. How do we help them see more of themselves? Like, okay, who are you? Where are you going? Here are, the, here are the things I see, which is totally limited to what I see because I can only see it from my lens. But what are the things you're trying to let people see about you? Because I can tell you what I'm seeing, but it may not be with the things that you actually think you're trying to let me see. Right. I know there's more that I can't see. So what are those things that you're not letting people see that maybe you would want to or maybe that you find it hard to, which is why we get to the back. But I think that when we think about that is like how so many times young people are like, no one ever asked these questions. No one ever asked me 
what are the things I don't let people see? And sometimes, sometimes it's like when the begin early days, people would think we were asking for their deepest, darkest secrets. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And when I train workshop facilitators, they usually will say that. They usually will unintentionally say, the things on the back are the things that you don't want anybody to see. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 slow down. That's 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 too much. That's too much. That's and so we, much. so we, the language we soften because it's intentional. It's like, no, no, no. The back is the things that you don't talk about much, or maybe mm-hmm. you have not had a chance to talk about, or maybe you've been wanting somebody to ask you, but no one ever asks. Or that's touching. Um, because ultimately, why would I ask you to tell me something you don't ever want to tell anybody? That's I feel that I, that would be awkward for me to even try and think about. To yeah. talk about things like that but how do we begin the process of realizing that there's so much more to us and so that's how we you know that this movement this this mask movement has been trying to normalize these conversations you know in in the podcast with with men but in in the world with with everyone like mm. and that's what the work is so beautiful yeah. it's a calling a path for you though i'm, I'm learning yeah as i listen yeah Hey, folks, I am reaching out to you right now to let you know that we are inviting all of our listeners to become supporters of this podcast. If you find these conversations valuable and meaningful, you know, as we march towards a million masks, we know that um, it's more than just these conversations we need to have. It's more conversations in schools and in communities. And we're going to ask you to help that mission along. We're going to ask you to be a supporter. If you go to the bottom of the show notes, there'll be a link that says support this podcast. And we invite you to be a supporter. Figure out what area makes the most sense for you to support. And we look forward to you being a part of this movement as we make masks with people all over the world. But in these conversations, as we have conversations with men about their masks um, from youth all the way to our elders in our community. So thank you for being a part of the podcast. And we'll see you soon. So do you want to go ahead and show the back? Sure, I'm gonna show my back. Okay. Um, there are there are three things on my back. Mm. Uh, the first one, they're maybe not they're not unrelated, but they're separate in a way. The yeah. first time, the first thing is nighttime hell. Mm. I wake up almost every night, not like seventy percent of the time, like ninety plus percent of the time, um, in the middle of the night, and often the state I'm in is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Is it? I sometimes talk about inner violence, or I grew up in a really rough family. Uh, my outer world was relatively safe, but I wasn't safe in my home. I had a father who used fists and belts, and a brother who was older who passed it down to me. So I was, that wasn't like on a, that wasn't a rare occasion. I was used to this home being a scary place to be. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so some part of me, knows that world so well and lives there. I've worked on those things a lot. Not all of me lives there. I wouldn't be able to even talk to you, but a part of me lives there and it doesn't get, it doesn't get over that. I get more detachment and learn. I can hold myself and all kinds of good things, but a part of me lives there um, and wakes up and has to wrestle for a half hour to two, three hours, sometimes almost every night with that world that lives inside of me. And some beauty comes from that. So I'm not thinking it's all bad. Some people say, oh, you can do this and that would go away. I've done lots of things to help it get better. I consider it part of my soul and part of my humanity and part of my calling to know what that condition is like. I'm not wishing it on myself. I'm not thinking it's great that I have that shit happen. Yeah. And I'm introduced to 
a world that there's a lot of hell in and it's not foreign to me only. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have to say, make it all better because I can't make all of mine all better. <laughs> so, but it's hell. Yeah. It's hell. You know, I, I know, I know that, I know that particular hell. That was my first thing. And the second thing that goes with it is exhaustion. Mm. <laughs> because I don't sleep a lot, I'm freaking mm. tired. I don't know if cursing is I'm effing yeah. tired a lot. Like, not yeah, just yeah. tired, like exhausted tired. Yeah. I can function quite well, maybe as well. So it doesn't hurt my functioning. But if you said, close your eyes, what's it like? How are you feeling? I'd be like, whoa, in my head is a cloudy, heavy, my digestive system, my body says, I'm freaking exhausted, man. I haven't slept yeah. a lot in 16 years, you know, literally, you know? Oh, man. So man. I know what it's like to be exhausted. Yeah. I talk to single moms who are sometimes single dads and more from single moms who like are yeah. doing all that stuff. And I'm kind of yeah. like, I don't, I'm not that, yeah. but I get what it's like. to <laughs> Like I haven't slept in three years. I'm kind of like, I feel like we know each other or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm waking up for different reasons, but, um, but about five or six months ago, I did this diet cleanse, you know, like I drank certain things and didn't eat certain things for certain days yeah. with, uh, Lisa, my sweetheart. And I don't know, it broke me down in some way. Is yeah. that maybe cause I was so hungry. I don't know what. And one day I was just shivering and I couldn't stop shaking and I was warm out and I had a blanket around me. And I was like, <laughs> and my body was just shaking. And two things came out and it relates to the exhaustion. And the third one I was going to say, yeah. one is I said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I was, like, and I don't say that like that way. I could say, hey, man, I'm really tired. But yeah. it came out in like, like a desperate tiredness. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the third thing which relates to that is terror. Some part of me knows, and maybe that's related to my history and all those other things. Maybe it's related to my Jewish ancestry, but some part of me has knows terror, not just like I'm scared, like yeah. a terror, like terrified. Mm -hmm. And um, and every so often I dip into that. And I can feel this. It's like it's a very powerful. Some people would say it's trauma, whatever. Maybe it is, it isn't. That's I don't, yeah. that's not the point at the moment. It's a, just a human experience. Yeah, that part of me knows. Some people know it for their various reasons. I think it's part of humanity to know it. If, but, but anyway, but I remember that same day when I was talking to Lisa on our cleanse, I was also saying, "I'm so scared. I'm so scared." And there was nothing. It wasn't a thing, you know. I didn't. It was just like that lives in me, <laughs> you know. Just, you know, it's a scary freaking inner world, outer world, and in ways that I can't only define as somebody's going to do something to me. Yeah not like a literal moment but i under but in my bones no i know it you know yeah i know something like a terror anyway I, I, the reason i get hesitant about those is because there's so much of what i call pathologizing oh you got a trauma you should work on this oh that's interesting and i teach facilitators how to work on trauma so i'm not thinking those are irrelevant but i treasure the humanity of others and myself. Not that I want to, if, it's, if someone says, here, the terror will go away. I don't, I might not do it today. Something I might, I might. There are moments I would do it, you know? Yeah. But it's also like, I don't know. I feel 
alive in some way and connected to the world. I'm not trying to glorify suffering, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, if people can find ways of suffering less, I, I think that's a really great thing. But I also find some beauty in, in your mask idea. If we all sat around and talked about how terrified we were, I would rather be in that group than a bunch of groups who think they've healed it all. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, I would feel like yeah. I belong in that group and I would feel an intimacy and some yeah. love and I would get to learn myself and, and my heart would be moved by people. And if we all said, we're all healed from our terror, I would feel a little bit bored in that group. <laughs> yeah. So I got to say is. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh man, I, yeah. I'm. I, yes, you said a lot there, and I so appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. but the last thing you said, like I belong in that group, and I think, like, to know the space that people are really feeling and really human and connecting, is so real. Because I think a lot of young men in our work, they've never had a space where they could be fully themselves. So they always had to be somebody else. They always had to be fit in, as opposed to a place of belonging. Yeah, and to know that man, other people in here are going through real stuff too. Like I think sometimes they were just I'm shocked that the people they thought were perfect because they had nice shoes and they had, um, they had like, you know, all the good stuff on the outside. They they wait this 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 guy's going through some real stuff like that too. How's that right. possible? Because we've let the image on the outside, and to know that man, I belong here too. Like I'm there's I'm I'm not broken. I, I there's some things that are happening inside of me, but I'm not broken. I'm. I'm, yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect just like other people are imperfect but i've been yeah. thinking everybody else was perfect and so therefore it made it feel like i wasn't a part and i think that's what we try and do yeah. so thank you for that and i and you, yeah. you, said, you said some things that really just stood out to me and so thank you for sharing those and you're i think welcome. you know there's some words on there that i probably have not shared but i i i resonate with in a lot of yeah. ways and so yeah let me tell you the ones i wrote and yeah i want to hear them. And i'll connect them i'll connect them so uh I wrote fear, yeah, worry, self-doubt. Amazing. I added the one that says I go to church. Um, yeah. and that last one I added as you were talking is inner battle, like the inner yeah. this inner this inner battle that and 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 then I could add exhaustion. I can't, I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness. Like those are these are my words that I've actually never used on the mask, but I I think maybe once I said I was exhausted to someone and it, it felt like it felt in a mo one moment, it felt relieving. And then in the second moment I felt like, who are you to be complaining? And I remember like having to battle myself with the, the with, because I was like, you, yeah. you don't get to complain. And I think that's what I grew up hearing so much as the message yeah. is you don't get to complain. People have it worse. Yeah. So therefore, no matter how I saw it, experienced it, lived it, I was always told that my complaining needed to be shut down because other people had it worse. Mm. So therefore, my complaining wasn't valid and my mm. complaining wasn't accepted or I even acknowledged. And I, I think that that inner battle, you know, as I practice my own uh, work, of there's that battle where I'm like, I don't get to complain about stuff because other people have it worse. And how do I get to the place where I not complain, but I try and explain a, a situation or a, and as opposed to me, like, cause I don't want to use the word complain. I, I try and run from the word complaining. Mm. Now, I'm just, I'm not complaining. I'm explaining, <laughs> I'm explaining, but, but, but how much this, how much things are happening in the world that should be complained about that should, we shouldn't be tolerating. We should not be accepting. We should not be like making them okay in, in so many ways. So yeah, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, yeah. like, um, 
I, I this, this is a rich, what a rich conversation. And I want to totally respect your time. And, I'm, you know, what we try to do with this work is really help people realize there's so much more to each of us than people can see by looking at us. And so um, I I look forward to even more conversation in the future. But I want to, as, as we close up, is there anything you want to, um, any ways you want people to follow your work? Is there any ways you want people, is there any last thing you want to say about mm. this experience making the mask? I don't know if this is yeah. your first time doing it like this, but um, yeah. but I want to make sure that people have a way of connecting to you because mm. um, you definitely said some rich things that I really yeah. appreciate. Thank you for that that opening. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still I have to say this, then I can answer your question. I'm still moved by the things you were talking about. I'm still hanging with you and feeling you and and in relating in my own ways to the. It's so interesting that you had church afterwards and I had Jewish afterwards. You know, which makes which as a like afterthought, or I don't know if that was, and it makes me think, oh, we should have a whole. Jewish church, Catholic, Christian, whatever conversation, whatever. I don't know what that means. Whatever yeah. we go with that, just because we put it in later. So I'm thinking about that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And the not being able to complain. That's, that's not a small thing. I know it, the way you're putting it, it could be not seen as powerful. It is, yeah. but it's, it's a really big deal to not be able to, to not feel the freedom to respond to the itch you know something's itching me that means and it wants to come out and say this hurts or it itches or you can't scratch it in public so it's, it's like uh some point i don't know if that's the way to call it that's the, what comes up in my mind but that's a that's not a small thing in terms of how we care for our own needs um but i understand that you know where that a little bit about what you're saying and why that would happen and i'm just moved by what you're saying and relating to it and Boy. hearing about you um where could people that. find me i te- i have an institute it's called the santa fe institute for shame-based studies and i teach usually about four programs a year for anybody for people for what we call personal development and then i teach uh year-long programs for people who want to learn how to facilitate the growth of others right um and that's more of a that's a certification training where I, those are smaller groups, like like 20, as opposed to however many people come to the other things. Cause I want to make sure you're getting feedback and can do, you can do something when you're done. <laughs> and then I'm ethically connected to what you're going to go do. Um, so those are my two main things. People can find me. The easiest way to find me is on social media. Uh, um, people can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, yeah. I'm going to spell my name. It's David. And my last name is Bedrick, like bedrock, only with an I, Bedrick. When I was a, my, as a kid, my best friends called me bedrock, you know? And that was, <laughs> I, I liked, or rocks because of bedrock. Right here. So Bedrick is my name. So you find me on Instagram or or um, uh, Facebook, or if you want to look me up on, on a, you know, on the internet, you'll find uh, a website. You'll find lots of articles I've written for whatever, 80 plus articles for psychology today you'll find those in youtubes and and lots of other articles that i've written for other venues um huffington post i've written quite a few things for them a lot of diversity stuff uh i when i was writing i was working on a book my second book is called um it's called revisioning activism it's about the psychology behind you know not the 
marching and stuff, which is incredible, but more like what I think is the psychology behind an activist eyes. Anyway, so that's a little bit about me, but people wanted to hang or connect with me or just follow me and watch videos that I make. And those are free or read books, which are pretty darn inexpensive or in libraries. Um, those are available. Yeah. Well, I've definitely been taking in your work on Wednesdays, all, all the days, but definitely on Wednesdays. And I just appreciate you for making time for this conversation. Thank you for, mm-hmm. for opening your heart and for mm-hmm. sharing your mask with us. You know, folks, like, you know, we and I shared our mask publicly, but we we invite people to go on our website, make it make their mask anonymously. Cool. We'll put your links in the show notes. So all the links. Thanks. There. I appreciate that, brother. Appreciate it. And, um, and I hope that this is just the beginning of more conversations. Thank you for. I'd and, love to chat with you and, and, and maybe not be in this format or if you yeah. want it in this format, but I'm, I could feel at the very beginning that I had an openness uh, to you. I don't know what tells me that, but mm-hmm. maybe it was even before we met. I don't know, but That's something it. in me says, <laughs> I look I think forward you're to sitting on the table and show <laughs> it and tell about why I walk or that. Otherwise I might not have done that such a thing, you know, but I feel it. I feel it as well. And I, I appreciate you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like, like, I mean, let's just, let's make another conversation just to catch up in more ways. And I love it. Thank you, thank you for the work. You, you, you've helped me. You didn't know before I, you know, invited you to be on the show. I was so helped by your words oh. around shame. And so I appreciate mm. you and for the work you're doing to help people mm. work through it. Um, you know, sometimes you're like, I wish this was already gone, but it is my journey is my journey. And it's going to be gone when it's my turn and my yeah. time in the right time. So thank you. Thank you. Making for something that. out of it. That's a big message for me. Making something out of what we're going through, healing it, not only in the sense of this will go our, our common viewpoint of healing is I have a difficulty. I have a, a thing. And if you take it in the tumor, if you took it off my finger and I have a bacterial infection, if you took out the infection to go away, great. And that's great. And if you can yeah. get the infection to go away, I think take the freaking antibiotic. Some people say, no, that's a political argument, but do what you can to do that. But certain things are life conditions and they don't only, they're not, they're suffering, but not only we have to, in my view, to turn that into the best of ourselves. Let's figure out yeah. what I can make out of that. You know, can you make art? Can you make a song? Can you make mentoring practice? Can you make an institute on shame? Can you make That's intimacy? Right. So that oh, these things are not wasted. They're part of, yeah, they're part of our journey. Part of loving ourselves in each other. Yeah. Oh, that word, loving ourselves. And I definitely need to do more of that. And I, yeah. Thank Amen. you. That's a great yeah. way to end, David Bedrick. David, thank you for being with us on Taking Out the Mess podcast. Folks, we'll put all the notes from David in the show notes. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, have a great day. Be well. Lots of love, brother. Talk to you. Talk to you. Be well. The Taking Off the Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Graphics are by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Choque Allen Alvarez. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we cross the 100th episode milestone and begin the work to the next 100. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share as we look forward to continuing to have conversations that matter. Stay tuned for the relaunch of the Million Mask Movement on 11-11-22. That's November 11th of 2022. There's a math problem in there. 
You can find out more by visiting everforwardclub.org and following us on social media. Take care. and We'll see you soon.